With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today. At LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to Destination Draft Day. Michael Rockman here, joined back by the good old trusty Nick Durst. Nick, how's your Monday going? Monday is going. Almost getting to an end here. And there's there's been a little break here. We haven't we haven't been together in a few weeks here. A lot of things going on, but happy to get back with you. Uh on the call here, and, and as we get closer to the season, ramping things up once again, and kind of getting back to the swing of things. And you know, right now the the big storylines are still the same, which is what's the going to do with Aaron Rodgers? Um, and then the other thing was it came out today is that the Washington Football Team will decide a new team name next year. So I guess two years what they need we'll see what they come up with there but you know we had uh had Aaron Rodgers playing some golf this past week with Tom Brady and he's very non-committal on his future either way absolutely and you know we could talk about Aaron Rodgers all offseason and people have but at the same time a lot of it is just speculation it sounds like he wants to be a Packer he just wants to really have more security in what is the you know, future for the Packers organization. He's obviously the face of the franchise, at least right now during this era. So he wants to kind of be treated that way and be given the opportunity to finish out his career or just go a long while until his time with Green Bay comes to a close. And right now it seems like both sides are kind of very far apart on what that means for both sides. Yeah, we'll talk about this every week, but I think ultimately – Midway through August, he will end up being in camp because I just you know, I think he wants to play. He's not going to waste one of one of his, his prime years here, um, especially coming off MVP. He's got he still has a great chance with the Packers this season to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, and we got some comments from the comment section. You picked Missouri to go to a bowl on probation bowl ban. My apologies, I, I must have slipped my mind. I do think they have a pretty good team, though. So, you know, hypothetically, if they were eligible for a bowl, I think it would happen. And then, you know, dude, you really went out on a limb by predicting no bowl for Mississippi State. They've been to 13 straight bowls. What makes you think the program has suddenly tanked? Honestly, I'm not a big believer in Mike Leach, and that's kind of what holds me back for them. Uh, I know, obviously, there's plenty of talent, especially on the defensive side of things for Mississippi State, but... That offense still has a lot of question marks. They have some great players. I just think the overall offensive scheme is not going to work, especially for long against SEC defenses. And for Mississippi State, I think that's going to result in them being kind of near the bottom for that conference. And I hope I'm wrong because, you know, there's some great players. You know, Wally is someone that I'm keeping an eye on for not this upcoming draft class, but the year after. Uh, Will Rogers looks like he has some talent, but it's, uh, it's certainly something that, I'm not fully bought into just the overall scheme that Mike Leach has brought to the SEC. But today, we are also going to be talking about some top prospects and some schools in the process as well. 
We're talking about the G5 and independence. Not going to touch on the overall, you know, just every conference with predictions like we've done for some of the Power 5 schools. I know I'm showing some terrible treatment to the to the lower school to the smaller schools i should say not lower but i can't get through all five in one episode so i'm sorry about that but we're going to start out with the top prospects and i tell you what these top prospects are very talented and you'll kind of recognize a theme between it cincinnati and notre dame headline it but we're going to start out at qb where malik willis the redshirt junior out of liberty gets the top spot there's guys like desmond ritter carson strong grayson mccall but Malik Willis is the guy that I am willing to gamble on right now as my top prospect. I think all four QBs have their issues, but for Malik Willis, I think with his mobility, his ability to really just take over the game with his legs and his pure arm power that is still growing in terms of just refinement on his technique, improvement on his accuracy, and just you know continuing to make progress in terms of making reads, deciphering the field, he shows a lot of potential, and if he can take those steps under Hugh Freeze at Liberty with some of the great weapons that they have there, then I think he could absolutely be in that first-round discussion. Now, guys like Desmond Ritter, I think, have the tools and could very easily be a first-round pick, but at the same time, all these guys have issues. You know, Carson Strong has some mobility concerns I'm not 100% sold on if he's going to be able to make that transition to the NFL. I think Grayson McCall uh, reminds me a lot of Jalen Hurts, both the good and the bad. And, you know, Jalen Hurts was a second-round pick, so that's not an insult at all to McCall. And McCall is still growing his game as well. I think for all of these prospects, though, a huge year is absolutely something that scouts are going to want to see if any of them are going to be first-round picks. And... For my money, I would put that on Malik Willis. At running back, a deep field, but no top dog really solidified yet. There's guys like Brees Hall, guys like Isaiah Spiller that have been getting attention. But keep an eye on Kyron Williams as well. He is a very talented back. I think he needs to add a little bit of weight. He's a little smaller for your typical running back, but still very dominant in his game. He put the Notre Dame offense on his back last season. This year, going to run it back. Jack Cohn at QB. And Kyron Williams dominating the game at running back. Notre Dame is going to try to get back into that playoff picture. And I tell you what, Kyron Williams could be in for a very big year if he's able to get them there as well. At wide receiver, we're going with Calvin Austin the third out of Memphis. The redshirt senior is definitely a slot guy. He's not going to be someone that is playing on the outside traditionally at the NFL level. But he has great speed, great release, and I really love his ability to separate. I think he is going to find ways to win at the NFL. He's tough. He, you know, still needs to work on his physicality. That's going to happen with undersized receivers. He gets knocked off of his route a little too easily at times, but Calvin Austin is a pure playmaker. And he is someone that I think is going to be that day two, day three pick. And in time, I think he could absolutely help an NFL roster with just contributions out of the slot at tight end. We're talking about Josh Wiley, the tight end that, you know, it looks like a toothpick almost. He's so thin. He stands six seven. I think he's about 235 pounds. Definitely needs to add weight. He is a quick mover. He is fluid on the field. And, you know, the blocking is definitely an obvious issue because of his size. But I think he shows enough willingness that once you kind of add to his frame, once you get his weight up, once you get his strength up, he is going to make plays for an offense, no matter what, in the receiving game. And if you can develop his blocking, he is absolutely a stud at the tight end position. This is someone that, you know, especially as we head more and more towards these athletic tight ends, this is someone that I wouldn't be shocked to see as the first tight end off the board. And I know that there's guys like Jalen Watermeyer. I know that there's guys like Greg Dolchich. But Josh Wiley is someone that I think has the potential to be special. And if Cincinnati can, you know, help that process by this summer, you know, putting weight on him, getting him to continue to grow in terms of strength, in terms of just overall build, then we could be talking about this guy as a first rounder, despite how talented this tight end class is. Michael, how, how, how do you assess his blocking skills and how do you think that would will impact him in the draft? Uh, you know, the, the blocking certainly an issue. I, I love his willingness. I think that there's definitely a sense of understanding what is required out of the tight end position. But right now, if you're taking him to be a guy that's blocking on a, 
you know, large chunk of snaps, then you're definitely going to be irritated with his early play. Uh, it's something that definitely needs to be worked on. Hopefully some of the issues are resolved with Cincinnati. I mean, Kyle Pitts came into his final season with a lot of issues as a blocker. And while he wasn't phenomenal as a blocker, he showed major strides to be able to kind of get into that sense of showing enough promise as a blocker where teams were confident to take him and not necessarily be turned off by his blocking ability. For Josh Wiley, though, he is an athletic tight end. He's going to be stretched out wide a lot of times for offenses, but he definitely has the size and fluidity to really make plays nonstop. On the offensive line for Notre Dame, Jarrett Patterson is going to be leading a very young offensive line for the Fighting Irish. He can move around the field very well. He gets into the second level when needed. He's got some nice, you know, just momentum behind him that's able to push blocks out of the way. He can clear space in the run game. He's consistent in the pass game. Jarrett Patterson, you know, I think the big question mark is what's going to happen with some of these interior offensive linemen, guys like Linderbaum, guys like Kenyon Green. I think Jarrett Patterson's right in that tier, maybe at number three, but I think he's going to have plenty of talk in that conversation. Patterson is someone that I think could wind up as one of the top interior offensive linemen taken in this class. And with Notre Dame obviously being very young on the offensive line, I think this year is going to be big to just kind of showcase his leadership. I think the skills are already definitely shown, but with another strong season and, you know, proper development of some of the other offensive linemen, I think he's going to get a lot of credit for that. And we could see him sneak into that late first round, possibly early day two, but definitely someone that I think is going to be talked about a lot more as the season goes along at the deep. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I mean, (laughs) you know, nobody produces a position better for the NFL than Notre Dame with offensive line. So I just think, there is they're always the safe pick so you can never go a lot wrong with picking a a stud offensive lineman especially a senior coming out of Notre Dame absolutely and you know we have some more comments from Blake Robinson killing in the comment section today if Hugh Freeze leaves Liberty after this year who do you think would be a good fit for him and you know there's a lot of places that I think are definitely on the table and there's going to be some concern as well because schools are going to be questioning his past as Hugh Freeze has had some issues with the NCAA, maybe not following the rules as much as expected. So there's going to be some schools that pass over him or just don't take up the opportunity. But if I'm looking around at potential schools that could want Hugh Freeze in the building, obviously there's going to be schools, you know, like Kansas that are just going to be all in on Hugh Freeze, even despite the possible issues just because they need someone to turn around their program but some other places I think Nebraska would be an excellent fit because of all the history that's there but also you know they're they're low enough to where they're willing to gamble on a guy like Hugh Freeze whereas maybe a school that is going through firing a coach but isn't necessarily down bad like Nebraska is I guess they may not want to take that risk whereas I think Nebraska has been down for so long that they would be willing to gamble on a guy that has produced like Hugh Freeze, even with the baggage that comes along with him. As we flip to the defensive side, I'm looking at Jalen Haynes, the defensive lineman out of UTSA, the graduate senior. Look, I turned on the tape of UTSA a couple nights ago, and this guy was just making impact after impact. He can play out of the nose tackle spot for UTSA. Obviously, at 290 pounds, he's probably not going to be doing that in the NFL but still a very talented rusher from the inside. You know, you're looking at guys that really can make plays nonstop on that defensive side of things. In nine games, he had four sacks, six tackles for loss. He is a great pass rusher. I think he's someone that is going to really get into that third-round range and maybe even higher. Maybe I'm underestimating, but, you know, safe range. I think we could see him in the third, fourth-round range, and I think he's going to be someone that could – really step in early for an NFL team and be a quality contributor. I really love what I've seen at UTSA. Obviously, some very good players on this team. Sincere McCormick absolutely lit up the stat sheet. They also have praise. Um, I'm trying to think of the last name. It's, it's kind of complicated. I'm sorry. Uh, just There's so many players on this team, though, that can absolutely dominate. I think praise is at UTEP, actually, so my apologies for that. But there's just so many guys on in that conference USA that I think are going to contribute. 
And really, Jalen Haynes is someone that I think is going to get more attention once people start to get eyes on him. And I think that's a big story for a lot of these smaller conferences that have maybe only gone through a six-game season in the past with like the MAC and other conferences as well that just had such limited film that a lot of these guys that maybe would have declared last year are now coming back for another season and are going to get 12 games, 13 games to really prove themselves on the national stage with much more, you know, of a sample size to prove to scouts that these are legit. And that's why people are talking about this draft class to be as deep as it is, because it's definitely going to be one that has probably more just overall quantity than we've seen in recent years. And one more comment as well. Do you think Syracuse, Michigan, Florida State, or LSU will be searching for new coaches by January? I'm going to say half of those. I think Syracuse and Michigan are certainly the possibilities for firing. I think Florida State is going to give Norvell more time. And I think LSU, with Ed O, you know, if there's issues, more issues off the field, then we could certainly see something. But right now, I think the less miles situation probably puts a little bit of a shadow over it. And you know, Orgeron's still just a phenomenal coach in my eyes. Just in well, terms I forget of, Michael. I just played college football years ago, so I don't yeah. see why they let him go. I think Orgeron's gonna have a little bit more time, probably not on the hot seat just yet. But for Syracuse, you know, Babers is someone that I think is you know, someone that really disappointed me because I thought he was going to turn Syracuse into a pretty solid, you know, mid ACC team. And you know, it's it's something that I think he could still do. But right now with the misses on Tommy DeVito, I mean, no offense to Tommy DeVito. I'm sure he's watching right now. But it's just he the offense hasn't produced as well as it should have. And the defense, you know, while they've had some great success, the offense hasn't been able to kind of add into that. So maybe they should get him freeze. Yeah, maybe. But I think that there's certainly potential. But, uh, yeah, I think Syracuse and Michigan are the two schools that are going to be looking for new coaches, whereas Florida State and LSU, I think both coaches deserve a little bit more time. Michigan lets Harbaugh go or he leaves on his own? I think if Michigan disappoints again this year, it's probably a a mutual agreement to part ways, but it's just, you know, Harbaugh's being told to go. What's disappointing, not winning the Big Ten? I think as long as they're a 8-9 win team, then I think that they're fine, and I think Harbaugh will get... If they're playing in the Rose Bowl, um, Mark, I don't know if the Rose Bowl is, is, the, uh, is in the college football playoff this year, but you get my idea. They're playing in the yeah. big bowl outside of the college football playoff. And I, I, mean, I, think, I think you should consider that a success. Yeah, uh, I think I think as long as they show good growth, it's just last year was so disappointing. And I know last year had very weird circumstances because of COVID and everything. But going two and four, you know, Joe Milton kind of not being a hit and already being gone from the school – I think that's where the disappointment starts to come in. And, you know, obviously you have J.J. McCarthy and he shows promise and you get, you know, a solid year out of him and you're winning eight games. I think then you can you can justify keeping Harbaugh another year because you're saying, look, we have a young quarterback who committed to Harbaugh. We think this guy can be a star for us and we want to continue building that. But if, you know, McCarthy disappoints, you're rotating QBs all year, you go five and seven then what are you really keeping Harbaugh around for? I understand the name value. I understand he had success in the past at Stanford. I understand he had success in the NFL. But if it's not working at Michigan, eventually you have to pull the plug. And I think this is a big year to kind of figure out what the future is for the Wolverines. Going back to these position prospects, at the edge, my Jay Sanders, the edge rusher out of Cincinnati. Look, I've heard some varying opinions on my Jay. I think He's someone that, for me, I think he's going to be a first-rounder. You know, you see his length on film very easily. 6'5", about 255 pounds. I think he can definitely add weight. His arms aren't necessarily the thickest out there. So I think, you know, just building to his frame is definitely possible. But I think this is someone that shows plenty of range in terms of just overall ability to make tackles outside of his frame. I think he shows plenty of bend to be able to make plays off the edge. I think he shows, you know, plenty of versatility, whether you want to rotate him inside, whether you want him to drop back a little bit, he can do it all. And really that's the makings of a first rounder. Obviously people are going to be critical of guys and they're going to want to see more, but 
he's been building slowly. You know, first year, he didn't get a lot of time. He didn't produce anything. But sophomore year, six and a half tackles for loss, four sacks. Junior, or junior year, 10 and a half tackles for loss, seven sacks. And that's in 10 games played. So I think with another season, we could see double-digit sacks out of him, just overall development and overall opportunity-wise that will get him that conversation. But I think the skill set translates to where this guy is going to be someone that for me, for the time being, he's going to be in my first round mocks. And I'm sure that other people will see that as well, because I think this, while it sounds like some people are kind of torn on him, I do think that it will be a full tear if that's the case. And there's going to be people that are absolutely sold on him like I am. At the linebacker position, we're going with Darian Beavers, the linebacker out of Cincinnati. You know, tremendous player for the Cincinnati Bearcats. Obviously, with the just overall depth of Cincinnati's defense, the talent that's all around it, with guys like Ahmad Gardner, who we'll talk about soon, my Jay Sanders, Kobe Bryant, James Wiggins last year. It was easy to kind of overlook some of these other talented players, but Darian Beavers is someone that I think is going to be very loved once his time comes. 6'3", 242 pounds, the graduate senior Put up 58 tackles, seven and a half tackles for loss, two interceptions, two pass deflections, two and a half sacks. He was filling the stat sheet, but on tape, you can kind of see it as well. He's very aggressive, makes great plays, can work downhill, can drop into shallow zones if needed. I think this is someone that kind of fits that Giants, Dolphins, Patriots type linebacker system. And with a strong gear for Cincinnati defensively, I think it's easy to kind of you know, not notice these guys. But if you are looking for a linebacker prospect to enjoy, turn on the Cincinnati tape. You know, you you can keep an eye on Sanders, keep an eye on Gardner, keep an eye on Bryant because they're all very good prospects. But keep an eye on Darian Beavers because I think he's someone that is going to be in that day two, day three range that's going to really contribute in the NFL. At corner, we're going to talk about Ahmad Gardner, Sauce Gardner, one of the best nicknames in this draft. A dominant corner, lanky, absolute leader of the secondary. You can see what he talks about on Twitter, and he's just a very smart player, very talented. 6'2", had three interceptions last year, six pass deflections, shows some very good technique. He's thin. I think he needs to add weight. Right now, he's currently measuring in around 180, 185, and I think with his length, I think it's great, but you need to add a little bit of weight, probably 10, 15 pounds, and you'll be all good. <clears throat> for Cincinnati this year, they may have one of the best secondaries, at least at the cornerback position, out of all programs across, across college football, and that's pretty rare for a team coming from the G5. Gardner and Kobe Bryant are very talented corners that I think with you know, a lot of coaches' wishes, if they were allowed to answer in private, they'd say, absolutely, we want Gardner and Bryant rather than our starting two corners. You know, there's there's other schools in contention. LSU has Stingley and Ricks. There's some other places as well. I'm not going to go through all of them. But Cincinnati, for being a G5 school, is absolutely up there in contention, and they should be great in that cornerback unit. Ahmad Gardner is the one leading it. And now for what will probably be my top prospect of this class, dominant, six foot four makes all the plays, gets around the field with ease, put him at free safety if you need, get him at strong safety if you need, put him down at linebacker if you need. He can do it all. He can do anything you want. Kyle Hamilton, six foot four, 210 pounds, 215 pounds, makes plays all over the field. At 6'4", you kind of expect these guys to kind of move around a little stiff, but Hamilton does not. He's not going to be the flashiest football player, which is why I don't think we're going to see him go, you know, top five, top 10. But I still think that this is someone that's going to be an absolute stud in the NFL. I think this is someone that's going to make plays nonstop. He's going to be a longtime star for the NFL. He's going to be a star this season for Notre Dame. If I'm looking at comparisons, trying to make a one-to-one comparison, I stay to Notre Dame and I go with Harrison Smith. I think Kyle Hamilton is going to be an absolute stud. I think he's someone that could be in contention for just overall defensive player of the year awards whenever he gets the NFL. He he checks off all the boxes for anyone looking for a dominant safety. And again, whether you want him at free safety, whether you want him at strong safety, 
whether you want him down in the box, whether you want him off the edge, whether you want him single high, whether you want him split field, he is going to do his job and he is going to do it well. If you are, you know, just looking for top prospects to keep an eye on right now, you want to watch some film on him. Kyle Hamilton is someone that I absolutely suggest because he is a stud in capital letters. As much as we can talk about the top prospects in college football in the G5, it's time to talk about some sleepers because this is where teams really make their money is these guys that are kind of flying under the radar, especially at these smaller schools. And the first one I want to talk about, third string for Tulsa last year, only got to play in one game where he showed absolute talent, arm strength, and clutch factor. We're talking about Davis Brin, the redshirt junior out of Tulsa, a cannon for an arm, an absolute stud in the one game that he got to play against Tulane, came back when they were down. They were on the third string QB. This guy, no one heard of. Davis Brin comes in, makes some incredible throws, and then throws a 38-yard touchdown with time expiring to go to overtime. Absolutely just inspiring performance. And now with Zach's, uh, Zach Thomas out of the picture, there is going to be the opening for him to start. I believe it is almost set in stone that he will be the winner in this game. 18 for 28 in his one large portion of playtime, 266 yards and two touchdowns, ran in a touchdown as well. Davis Brin is someone that, you know, would come out of nowhere, like a lot of those rising QBs. You know, people weren't talking about Zach Wilson. People weren't talking about Joe Burrow as a first-round pick. People weren't talking about these guys when they really start to explode onto the scene. Davis Brin is completely out of nowhere, but he has the arm talent that many NFL QBs don't even have. If you are, you know, just trying to quickly watch someone toss around the football for a bit, there's a cut from my good friend. uh, I think his name's Jake Barrow on YouTube. Maybe it's do a barrel roll. Um, Keep an eye on that and look at Tulsa offense versus Tulane defense. Skip to like the eight minute mark and just watch from there. And you'll see some tremendous throws that show absolute NFL talent. You can look on my Twitter at MR underscore NFL draft, and you'll be able to see some of the clips that I showed as well. He definitely has some just pure arm strength that should be able to really put him at that next level of conversation. Now, can he get the consistency in this game, the continuous play and really hold down that starting spot for Tulsa to really get into that draft picture when the time comes. At running back, we're talking about Jerome Ford, the Alabama transfer at Cincinnati. Split the backfield, kind of took a backup role to Garrett Dokes last year, but he is absolutely a stud. Great acceleration. You can tell that this guy was a highly touted running back because he is just, he's a ferocious runner. He runs with a lot of aggressiveness, and I think he's going to be in for some big plays. There are some great running backs in the overall, you know, G5 independent area with guys like, you know, Sincere McCormick, who was leading the NCAA for a long time in terms of production on the ground. There's just so many guys that are out there, but Jerome Ford is my sleeper for the list. I think that there are plenty of sleepers, though, that will come out as the season goes along, and we'll be here to talk about it here on Destination Draft Day. At the wide receiver spot, we're going with Danny Gray, the SMU product, smooth route runner, smooth playmaker. I really love his game. I think he's rather polished as a receiver, SMU is going to be an interesting school because I think this is a school that with the NIL deals that have come into place, we could really see SMU start to elevate with some great talent sticking around in the Dallas area to play for SMU. And guys like Danny Gray right now are going to be huge for SMU because they're going to put together a strong season to build that momentum in the recruiting class. For Danny Gray, though, I think he's got a great set of hands. There's a great wide receiver core there at SMU. Reggie Robertson, Rishi uh, Rice, and Danny Gray, all three should be helping out Tanner Mordecai in a big way. And Mordecai was someone that I was considering for that sleeper prospect. Coming from Oklahoma, obviously ended up losing the job to Spencer Rattler. But keep an eye on Mordecai as well to have a big year, especially with the studs that are there right now on the SMU offense. At the tight end, Daniel Bellinger out of San Diego State, the senior 
really popped off on tape when I was watching San Diego State's offense last year. There's plenty of promise in his play. This tight end class is going to be absolutely stacked when it comes to just overall talent. But Bellinger had 21 catches last year in just eight games, 203 yards, stands 6'6", 255 pounds. San Diego State obviously didn't have the biggest of seasons last year, only played eight games. Brady Hoke back again as head coach in the second year. I think Bellinger is going to be a big part of that passing offense. You can kind of see uh, just ability from snap to snap from him. I think he's a pretty solid blocker. Uh, he was the second receive, leading receiver for that team last year, Jesse Matthews, who could be in for another big year, was another guy that, you know, got the attention. Uh, I think he had like a couple more catches, but definitely Bellinger is someone that I think could really help that Aztec offense and really help San Diego State make some noise in the Mountain West. Sticking in the Mountain West, we're going to talk about Barry Wesley, the redshirt senior out of Colorado State, 6'7", 310 pounds, has been a consistent starter for the Colorado State Rams for quite some time. Played left tackle, made some great moves. I think he offers some pretty consistent athleticism. I think when you look around at just the overall tackle class, there's plenty of guys that I think are going to get attention, but a lot of them are very big projects. I think Wesley offers enough promise as a prospect to where you kind of buy into his upside, but he's a little bit more refined as some of these raw products as well. So, you know, he's been the starter since his redshirt freshman year at Colorado state. He's made some great moves, great play, great growth. And, you know, with another strong year for that offensive line, Barry Wesley should definitely get attention. I think this is someone that we'll see when the senior bowl comes around. I think he's someone that deserves the attention he's getting and, you know, maybe needs to get some more. And that's why he's here on the sleeper list. And with time, I think he will. Moving over to the defensive side of things, Jeffrey Johnson, the nose tackle out of Tulane. Look, when it comes to the nose tackles, a lot of them aren't going to be productive pass rushers when it goes to that transition to the NFL. But I think it's definitely important that they show ability to pass rush at the college level so that you can see that athleticism isn't going to just fall off a cliff and you know have struggles at the pro football level. Jeffrey Johnson has produced as a pass rusher. For Tulane last year, nine games, he had four and a half sacks and six tackles for loss. Stands 6'3", 330 pounds. I think this guy's a stud. He's really fun to watch. He pops off on tape. Tulane is going to have some interesting players on their defense this year. I think they got some very hyped up players that could get some love. Uh, Dorian Williams is obviously someone that I think has gotten a lot of attention. The big question mark is what happens with Patrick Johnson and Cam Sample now gone for Tulane. Jeffrey Johnson is going to have to step up a bit and make sure that he really, uh, you know, steps up as that lead pass rusher for a Tulane out of that nose tackle spot. But I think he has the skill set and talent to absolutely do it. On the edge, we're talking about Darrell Johnson out of Liberty, a guy that I think really the big question mark right now is his overall frame. Currently comes in around 230 pounds at six foot four. I think that he's going to add weight. You can tell on film that he's going to have a lot of frame that can be filled out. And really, that's all you need for these guys that are productive, have athleticism, have the flash. They just need to be able to add weight and keep that athleticism. And for Darrell Johnson, I see no reason why he wouldn't be able to add some pounds but still maintain that ability to dominate. He shows some great flashes on tape. He shows some amazing ability. I I don't know if Darrell Johnson is going to work his way up into that first-round talk because this edge class is so talented, and I think there's just some other positions that will probably get drafted as well. You know, we can't just have 32 edges in the first round. But Darrell Johnson is still someone that is going to make a team very happy to take him take him as a prospect and gamble on his upside because there's so much of it in terms of just athletic ability, production as a pass rusher, bend, ability to make plays, range, athleticism. There's just so much there. And, you know, Darrell Johnson has been someone that I've really enjoyed watching from what I have seen, and I look forward to really getting a full evaluation over, on him over the coming season. <clears throat> At the linebacker spot, we're going with Delano Robinson, the safety-turned-linebacker for SMU. We're back in Dallas for SMU Talk, and I think 
kind of talked about a little bit, the trend of having these safeties kind of drop down into the box has been huge for a lot of these linebackers that are kind of, well, I mean, safeties that are kind of not athletic enough to split field as much and be coverage guys. So they drop into the linebacker role. Lionel Robinson has kind of done that early, and I think he's going to really benefit from it. Six foot, 238 pounds. He might be a little smaller. We'll see when the official measurements come in, but he was making plays all over the field for SMU last year. I think he is going to be the centerpiece for that defense this season as some of their other pieces have now gone off and graduated, but there's definitely some intrigue for that linebacker unit. Richard McBride, I believe is back for another season. Not hundred percent certain on that one, Uh, but Delano Robinson is definitely a stud. And we have some more comments as well. Tulsa had a couple first-rounders last year. Yeah, absolutely agree. Some sleepers. Got some SEC guys, it looks like, for the most part. Uh, Charles Cross, I think, is someone that I'm actually a little out on. I think he's a little overrated, but I really do love Wally. I think he's someone that, for the uh, 2023 class, is definitely going to be a stud. Forbes, I've heard a lot about. I haven't gotten a chance to watch him yet. And then Jack Abraham, I think, is going to be an interesting case because he's such an accurate passer, obviously made some great plays over his course of Southern Miss. I think he's the guy that's now at Mississippi State, right? So it'll be interesting to see if he can win that job and, you know, just what he's able to do in that Mike Leach offense. If he can improve just his overall arm talent, then I think he's going to be a great fit for that scheme. Uh, Definitely a smart passer. And I think it will be, you know, something to keep an eye on. Um, Some more comments as well. Boosters ahead of their time. Yeah, the death penalty now just seems a little ridiculous now that we're allowed to pay these athletes. SMU, though, definitely has made up the lost ground. And I think in time we're going to see this this school in the Big 12. I think five, ten years, SMU will be there. And, you know, we aren't going to talk about each game, sadly, but we're – Definitely going to have these uh, Friday preview episodes for college football talking about it. I believe Brian will be back for the regular season talking about this stuff. And we'll be working with bonus seekers talking about some of the big games, you know, not just of the big games, but we'll talk about most games that we can for college football and NFL. And we look forward to hearing from everyone as those thoughts come in and any prospects coming out of app state, coastal Carolina or ECU. So for Appalachian state, the big prospect to keep an eye on is their cornerback play. Uh, Sean Jolly is the guy that I think has gotten the most attention when it comes to just overall, are they a prospect or not? He's a little bit smaller. He's going to be at a slot corner for this class, but I think he's someone that really has gotten a lot of attention from guys that I've talked to. And I think in time, he's going to really uh, establish himself as one of the more interesting uh, players for this class, Chase Bryce transferring in. I'm not 100% certain that he's going to be an NFL draft prospect, but I think he is going to get attention in terms of just, you know, being a, a name that was at Clemson, then now to Duke and now to Appalachian State. For Coastal Carolina, I mean, they're filled with guys. Jeffrey Gunther at the edge spot, Grayson McCall we talked about a little bit earlier, and then Javon Haley at the wide receiver spot. I think he's going to get love as well. Um, they have some good running backs. CG, CJ Marable obviously left. But that didn't mean that they were just completely out of talent at the overall running back position. Shamari Jones, I think, was the guy that really – Shamari Jones and Reese White were making plays nonstop in some of the games that I was watching at Coastal Carolina. And I think, you know, with another year of having, you know, such a dominant offense, it's going to rely on that running back spot. And I think Reese White and Shamari Jones are going to be in for a big year. For Eastern Carolina – There's been talks about Holt Nailers from some of the guys that I talked to about the draft. Um, I think for me personally, I'm not 100% sold on him, but Jare Wilson is someone that I do think could actually get some love in this process. 6'3", 201 defensive back. uh, Definitely someone that flies around the field and makes some plays. Uh, Jaquan McMillan is someone that's gotten some love. He's going to be another slot guy. Um, I haven't gotten to watch him, but I know just based on his frame, he's had some, you know, Issues in terms of just overall size, but he's made some great plays at the cornerback position. Um, that's all I know right now for the overall rosters, but definitely some guys to keep an eye on for those schools. At the cornerback spot. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Shout out to Blake. I mean, Blake. 
Blake has just been tremendous today. Uh, oh, yeah. We love Blake, it. We love all the extra added. You're going to love, you'll love our picks during the season. We do, uh, of course, college NFL. So stay tuned right here Mondays and Fridays, not this Friday, though, at 4 Eastern. We'll be here. And we all, you're going to love Brockman's rookies with the to your streaming device absolutely at the cornerback spot actually someone that i played against in high school cj colden the redshirt senior out of wyoming it's interesting to see these guys now that i've played against in college or in high school then they go on to college you know they're big shots cj colden is someone that i think is definitely interesting to keep an eye on nice fluidity nice processing ability i really loved what i saw out of him on tape he was able to kind of make plays. Very good frame at 6'1", 178 pounds. I think he definitely needs to add weight. But he showed some nice size, nice length. One of the best things that I was able to see out of him, I talked about a little bit earlier, his processing. There were plays where he would just pick up on assignments so easily. And that that stuff is tremendous to have. He was able to make plays in the run game. But when you are able to kind of take away the mental side from a – overthinking it, you know, focusing in on it as much as you can to where it just kind of comes naturally and you're able to focus on everything else. It makes the game so much easier. And CJ Colden was able to do that on tape. Definitely a guy that I think could get some love. Wyoming has had some great defensive prospects come into the draft. Logan Wilson, the most recent one, uh, you know, and obviously that's a linebacker, but I think there's some secondary pieces for this team. Wyoming's going to have a strong defense this year, but Colden is the guy that I think is someone you need to keep an eye on if you're looking around at that Rangers defense because I think there's some – or Cowboys, sorry, Wyoming Cowboys. If you're looking around at that team, I think Colden's the guy to keep an eye on. And then rounding out this sleeper list, Saeed Holt, strong safety prospect that I've had my eye on for a couple years now, a guy that really shined out as a sophomore – Strong safety prospect for sure. I think he, you know, works down in the box extremely well. He has tremendous range just as an overall tackler. I think the big question mark is what's he going to be able to do in coverage? He hasn't had a lot of ball production, not a lot of pass deflections, has yet to record an interception. But I'm not really worried about the overall stats that he's putting up. I'm, I'm liking what I saw on film. I think he's going to be someone that could be talked about. I really was hoping because he was so young and doing as well as he was, I was hoping he was going to transfer up. Sticked around at Toledo, not going to hold it against him. I think he's in for a big season this year. And I think he's someone that, you know, as we get to closer to the draft cycle, we'll start talking about these day three guys that really need more attention. I think he's going to be someone that we're talking about because I really liked what I saw on tape from him. And, you know, that's all we got for these prospects, but there's still plenty to talk about because of just the – overall grand scheme of things nick we've seen notre dame come into these playoffs a few times obviously high hopes to get back cincinnati as well because of this do you think that you know we could see a g5 playoff team especially in a year this year where alabama clemson ohio state all are starting new quarterbacks do you think the window is open for possibly someone else to sneak in there I think any year that Notre Dame can go undefeated, they will be in the college football playoff. That becomes tougher and tougher due to the fact that they do play a lot of ACC teams, which is which does include Clemson sometimes. So that's going to be tough. Uh, but really, I just think they're the only team that has any chance to get in the playoff this year as things are currently constructed. Absolutely. And, you know, we talked about it a little bit earlier, but now – College football heading towards a 12-team playoff. Not going to happen right away, so we won't see it this season. But what do you think that means just for the overall G5 independent landscape in terms of just opportunity to get into those fields now as a smaller school and really get that opportunity to play against some of these big-name schools? Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, I hope <laughs> it allows more schools to get the playoff and potentially have a chance to win a championship. I mean, wouldn't it be great to see, you know, not one of these non-mega house teams win? I mean, I think for years, I think I thought if Boise State made a championship game, they were going to win it. So let's hope something happens there. Um, 
But I think it's I think it's going to be a wait and see scenario here. I'm not too sure things are going to go. And then we talked about it a little bit earlier with SMU. The NIL deals are now going to be a big part of college football. How do you see this impacting the landscape of college football? Because obviously, you know, I think there's some favor that's going to go to maybe a school like Oregon where Phil Knight is tied at the hip to Oregon, and now Nike is able to have a big influence on that. But at the same time, you know, some of the smaller schools like SMU – uh, right in Dallas, that's a huge market for a lot of players to now stay home. Do you think we could see a lot of movement in terms of some of these bigger city schools getting to move up in conferences? Do you think we could see maybe some people are worried that the bigger schools are going to have a lot more spending money and be able to really just open up more and less change in the overall recruiting scheme of things? Or do you think this is going to open up college football and really encourage players to go make a star name for themselves, maybe at a smaller school? and make more money in that process. So I saw Spencer Rattler sign with Patrick Mahomes, agent, Lee Steinberg. Um, so apparently you can sign with agents now. So I don't know, it could, be, get, could get pretty messy here. Because um, obviously the assumption would be if the agents sign you for your NIL, then that, that means they think they're going to sign you um, to be your agent for the pros. Um, I would hope that we could see a scenario where we have a, like a mid-major type of school that just has like a crazy booster uh, <laughs> and is able to pay so it gets some good players on some smaller schools. But uh, I think you're right in the sense that, you know, I'm sure we'll see scenarios where USC is going to start rising to Providence again because they're in L.A. and there's just going to be more access there to the money. Um, and I think – the Longhorns, they need to try to use this to advantage because they they cover Texas. They have their own network. So I think the network there need to – they can use it. Oh, there's Blake right there. <laughs> uh, Blake wants to sell the network. Yeah, I think they got to figure something out there that they can capitalize. You know, maybe it gets iffy because then it's like, oh, well, yeah. If, if they're going to do a, a show on the Longhorn network, well, shouldn't the players get – paid for the commercials and the advertising spots. So that's going to be a whole nother can of worms there. Um, and it's going to be tough to see. Um, and real quick, just like basically between NIL, which impacts and also, you know, looking at a lot of these, you know, non power five prospects, another big change, uh, which really is going to impact the scouting season, Michael, is that the East shrine bowl game, is now going to be played the night before the Pro Bowl. Um, and it's going to only be played two days. Um, oh, or it's going to be played two days before or, or something like that, the Senior Bowl. And that means they're going to be going on the same week of practice. How do you think that's going to impact things as far as scouting is concerned and where players are going to be looking to play? Yeah, I think for a scouting perspective, I mean, obviously there's enough scouts in departments to where you can kind of split that up. But at the same time, it sucks for people that are kind of trying to watch both because especially in a year like this where we're going to have a deeper draft class than most years, it's something that a lot of great players are going to be there at that East-West Shrine Bowl. And a lot of people are looking forward to being able to check that out, keeping close eyes on it. And now if you're checking out the senior bowl you're not really going to be able to check out the east west shrine bowl if you're checking out the east west shrine bowl you're not going to be able to check out the senior bowl as much so it'll be interesting to see what happens it'll be you know something that isn't enjoyable for a lot of people that follow the draft and aren't part of a scouting department but at the same time for the uh for the nfl itself i think there will be enough people on hand to where they can handle that but i do wish it was separate weeks It'd be a, a jam-packed week for you. Absolutely. And we have some comments from the comment section as well. Blake Robinson back at it. Touching back on two-lane players, are you sold on Willie Fritz as the head coach versus a Will Hall, who is the coach of Southern Mississippi? I like Fritz a lot. I think that Tulane has made tremendous strides under Fritz. And I think, you know, with the talent that's on their roster, I think they're going to be in for a big year. They've been producing a lot more overall talent, a lot of NFL guys. And I think, Fritz has done a tremendous job. Hall, I think, is someone that still is kind of proving himself. He's been the coach uh, since, what, this is his first year, right? So 
I think that right now I go with Fritz just because he's been a good coach, whereas Hall is unproven. But we'll see what happens. I, I think Hall is definitely an interesting hire, and I'm excited to see what will happen. Uh, Michael Pratt, I think, was a tremendous first-year freshman last year for Tulane, and Hall deserves a lot of credit for just getting him ready and having him able to play right away. Um, some other comments as well. On Saturday night primetime, Bama up 35-0 over, 35 over Arkansas in the first quarter. Is my purchase for a better game going to help Texas players? And yeah, if they if they make this market of the Big Ten or Big Twelve Network, Longhorn Network, whatever, uh, just all about the players, then it'll help. But I think overall, just that Austin market, regardless of whether they use the Longhorn Network or not, they're going to be able to definitely capitalize on it there in Texas. So right. hopefully, the big, uh, the big thing is going to be. It's going to be obviously the video game, which is already announced. It's coming back because everybody's going to pay for that. And jersey sales. So we'll see. Are they going to retroactively, you know, pay Johnny Manziel and Tim Tebow and Vince Young for the amount of jerseys they sold? Probably not. Um, but, you know, that's that's going to be the big thing, selling, selling that merchandise. Yeah. And, you know, I just want to shout out to EA real quick. I just want to say I'm, I'm very thankful that you're bringing back college football, but I want college basketball as well. I think both were tremendous games. Love playing both of them. I'm excited for college football. College and baseball is tremendous. Yeah, bring them all back. You know, let's get some college swimming in there as well. Let's do it all. I want to play every college sport on video games. But, you know, I'm, I'm thankful for college football. I don't want you to think I'm now, you know, just being greedy, asking for more. But at the very least, you know, football and basketball, I'll, I'll be appreciative for life. Absolutely. Got to bring it back. Got to love building, building my – my team, my dynasty from the ground up. Rutgers winning every year. <laughs> well, that's all we have for you today on Destination Draft Day. We hope you guys enjoyed the smaller school talk. I think there's plenty of talent. Obviously, uh, it doesn't end there. You know, keep an eye on the FCS level. Keep an eye on the NIA. Keep or NI, yeah, NAIA. There we go. Keep an eye on all of it. But right now. That's all we got for you. Going forward, we will not be here on Friday, but starting next week, we'll start talking about position by position. You know, top quarterbacks of this class and some sleepers to keep an eye on, some superlatives to really label and really help you understand the class as best possible. And we'll go on from there, running back, wide receiver, so on and so on. And then hopefully we'll be near that football season and ready to go. We will see you guys, though. Hope you guys have a great week, and we'll see you next Monday. Take care. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.